When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, Milwaukee Bucks fans. Welcome to the Bucks and Six podcast. My name is Stephen Dorf, and alongside me, as always, is Hershey Winkleman, my co-host. You can check us out on social media. We're on Instagram and X at uh, Bucks and Six FFSN. Uh, no longer on Facebook with a Bucks and Six account. However, we're still going to be posting stuff on our personal accounts through you know those Bucks groups that we'd always uh, been doing previously. So you know, continue to look out for those on uh, my Facebook at Stephen Dorf, and then Hershey's is Hershey Winkleman. Um, all right, so let's get into our podcast today. We wanted to continue with the uh, the segment of uh, you know predicting our division winners or predicting the divisions around the NBA. Uh, last time we did the Atlantic division, correct? And then now we're moving on to the uh, Central division. So that division is our hometown Milwaukee Bucks, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Chicago Bulls, the Indiana Pacers, and the Detroit Pistons. Um, so let's just get started with our Milwaukee Bucks, Hirsch. So give us a rundown on Milwaukee Bucks last year and then what they did in the offseason. Yeah, so... Uh, like 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 we did last division, we're gonna we're gonna do it based off of the standings and where they finished last year, and that's gonna be the order as to you know how we run through the team. So, Bucks get us started because you know they won the division. Um, unfortunately, we were eliminated in the first round to the Heat. In a, a pretty heartbreaking series, I will say. Um, definitely shook a lot of a lot of Bucks fans and rubbed us the wrong way, but. Um, you know, the front office made big moves in the offseason. You know, they, they got rid of the coach, uh, Mike Budenholzer, who had been around the team for, you know, four or five plus years, uh, re, uh, got a rookie head coach, too, which was, you know, another big thing, considering we were looking for, you know, a couple of veteran head coaches as well. But they decided to go with the rookie path, sign Adrian Griffin uh, to be the new head coach. And then also, you know, decided to bring back the the core of the team, basically, with re-signing Chris and Brooke for three and two years, respectively. Um, also drafted two exciting rookies um, in the second round, which I know you're going to touch on. Um, and then, you know, signing Malik Beasley as a shooter, bringing back Jay Crowder again, who, you know, we traded four or five first second round picks for. You know, I think it's all, I think it's all, like, it's a pretty good off season. I mean, there's, there's not much more you could have really asked for other than maybe like a, maybe like another trade, another piece. But I think the Bucks front office did a great job of just, you know, deciding to run it back again. We, you know, with the same core that has been a contender for the last three years. Yeah. Obviously like the big move is, you know, you know, uh, moving on from coach Budenholzer and bringing in a rookie head coach, Adrian Griffin, a guy who's had, you know, NBA playing experience himself. 
which is always a positive. But, you know, that's that's the thing that Bucks fans, you know, after that playoff disappointment, we're asking for was we were like, we need to make a change. Uh, is it Mike Budenholzer? Is it something with our, you know, p- uh, personnel as a whole? So the, the Bucks ultimately decided that we needed to get a new head coach and a new guy to kind of run the team, run the system. Uh, I, I mean, again, like it's a wait and see type of situation. We don't know enough about Adrian Griffin. He's been an assistant coach, but never a head coach. So we're going to have to wait and see. But again, like we have the talent and I wouldn't be shocked if we're still going to be an elite regular season team regardless. But the playoffs, are, I think, is where we're going to truly see what this Bucks team and what Adrian Griffin is truly about. Um, and then, yeah, with those rookies, we got Andre Jackson. We traded up to get him in the second round. You know, an exciting guy from UConn. He isn't necessarily someone who's going to, you know, jump out at you with his scoring numbers, but great passer, great athlete, really, really versatile defender, which is, you know, something, again, the Bucs desperately needed in that playoff, uh, in that playoff series loss against the Heat this year. So that's really cool. And then, you know, Chris Livingston, uh, more raw, but super athletic prospect out of Kentucky, had a lot of hype coming into college. But again, just someone that if, you know, if we develop properly, he could turn out to be a pretty solid player for this Bucks team. Uh, and like the predictions with our team, again, I think we're going to be a good team. I think we're going to be top three in the East. I think that we're going to be good, but what we're going to have to see is what's going to be different in the playoffs. Is Adrian Griffin the guy and only time will really tell. Yeah. I mean, I think you made a good point, especially, you know, with what we saw from Joe Missoula last year, being a rookie head coach, being kind of thrust into a winning scenario, um, you know, he he did take his team to the conference finals, which was, you know, farther than a lot of other, you know, veteran coaches had taken their teams last year. Um, and I think, you know, I think the addition of Malik Beasley uh, is actually going to be massive for us. You know, we, we didn't really lose any of our shooting guard depth. We did lose Javon Carter, which we will get to later, but we still have Grayson Allen. We still have Pat Connington. And then we just bring in another guy who can kind of play that same role, but it's just a different type of player. Um, a little probably, probably better shooter. Um, but yeah, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with the Malik Beasley bringing in. And then also, yeah, like, like you mentioned how big of an impact will, will Griffin play um, on the team. I, I'm just hoping that he, you know, is able to actually play Jay Crowder more than coach Bud did last year. I mean, I think Jay Crowder would have at least been able to guard Jimmy Butler better than Drew Holiday could have in that playoff series had he been given the time. Um, you know, we saw him a little bit, but very rarely. Um, I would like to see Jay Crowder definitely be more part of their rotation in the upcoming season. Absolutely. And then another thing we just need to touch on with the box is, uh, you know, there was the whole Colin Sexton trade saga or, you know, the who's going to be this box backup point guard situation. The Bucks went out and they signed uh Ty Ty Washington Jr. from uh, he was also from Kentucky. Uh, and then he was on the Rockets last year. Didn't really play much, spent some time in the G League and whatnot. But again, a guy with some potential, you know, playing behind Drew Holiday, learning from him could be really beneficial to this guy's career. And who knows, he could be he could play an important role, being that he's the only other rostered point guard on the Bucks outside of Drew Holiday. So that's another thing to touch on. Ty Ty Washington Jr., exciting guy. But uh, yeah, I think that's going to cover it for your Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, hope hoping for an exciting season, another winning season, and hopefully Adrian Griffin can you know bring us back to that championship level that we've seen. Uh, let's move on to the Cavs. Uh, last year the Cleveland Cavaliers they went fifty one and thirty five. 
They lost to the New York Knicks in the first round. We covered them in our last podcast. Very, very good series. Uh, I think the thing with the Cavs is, is they've got, you know, that big four with Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Darius Garland, and uh, Donovan Mitchell. Uh, Donovan Mitchell was an MVP candidate this past year, you know, lower echelon of it, but still MVP candidate nonetheless. This Cavs team has the makings of a really, really elite basketball team. Uh, They went out and they signed Max Struess. They signed Georges Niang and Damian Jones. Uh, We saw how Max Struess could be an impact player in the playoffs, hitting big threes, you know, defending. Uh, They brought back Karis LeVert, who was, you know, their scorer when Donovan Mitchell couldn't play. He came off the bench for them, and then he would go off when Donovan Mitchell wasn't there. Uh, Drafting Imani Bates, you know, another guy who had a lot of excitement in high school. Uh, I forget where he went to college, but somewhere smaller. He put up a lot of stats. Looked all right in the pre, looked pretty good in the preseason or in the summer league, I meant. But again, we'll have to wait and see with him. Could be a cool dev developmental guy uh and i think you know the big questions with this cleveland cavaliers team is was this offseason good enough to get them over the hump i mean are, are they fully relying on evan mobley developing into an anthony davis level player you know the guy that people expected him out to be hirsch yeah i mean i think you know the Cavs didn't necessarily make any massive moves I mean, obviously, signing Max Struess is going to be a plus for their team just to add the shooting. And obviously, you know, you want to re-sign your guys. And Karis LeVert is a productive player. Um, Whether or not he's efficient still remains to be seen because he can, you know, like you mentioned, go off. But he can also have nights where he's he's two for 16 and he's shooting you out of a game. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the Cavs losing in the first round last year to the Knicks and then only making, you know, just a couple of moves, I don't necessarily think that it's, you know, a good enough team to really make a deep, deep playoff run. I think, I think personally, in my opinion, this team has plateaued. What are your thoughts? I see. I just, I think I'm going to disagree with you. I think this Cavs team has the makings to be, you know, one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. I think that they have the potential to be a championship level team. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, we've seen what he, you know, can do being the number one guy on the Utah jazz. We've seen what he, uh, what he's done in the playoffs. He's taken his game up to another level. I know this year was different, but new team, new scenario. Let's see how they mesh together next year. Uh, Evan Mobley. I mean, if he continues to develop and get better, I mean, he's going to be one of the best two way big men in the league. Uh, Jared Allen, they're going to need to figure out that fit with Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. I think that's, you know, a big problem that we noticed in the playoffs was, you know, there's spacing issues. Evan Mobley is going to have to, you know, round out his offensive game. Otherwise, it really might not work with Jared Allen. And that is a very fair concern for the Cavs. But from just a talent perspective and what they have on this roster, I really, really like what they have, you know, cooked up, you know, in this post LeBron James Cleveland Cavaliers era. Uh, I think it's exciting stuff with. Darius Garland and uh, Donovan Mitchell in your backcourt. And then to have the defensive prowess of Jared Allen and Evan Mobley in your front court, you know, you just throw in a guy like Isaac Okoro to play that wing role. He plays great defense. He can shoot, you know, Karis Levert, if you really need that edge on scoring, I just think they have a really, really well-rounded team and yeah, they are going to have to figure some stuff out. Hirsch. I totally agree, but I don't think that they've plateaued necessarily. I think they've only scratched the surface. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. I just, you know, I, I I can see where their potential lies, 
I'm just not necessarily sure that, you know, they have what it takes to, you know, beat the juggernauts of the East, you know, in a seven game series. If they couldn't even beat the Knicks last year who are, you know, we talked about them last pod. I mean, I think we both agree that they might regress this upcoming season just because they also didn't really make any huge moves. Um, I don't really see the Cavs beating the Bucks, the Celtics, maybe even the Sixers, the Heat, like I think the Cavs are pretty solid around the fifth or sixth best team in the East currently. I see. I just, I mean, we've seen like these juggernauts that we talk about in the East. I mean, it's not like these teams are so good that they're walking through to the finals and winning the finals. I mean, we've seen the Bucks disappoint. We've seen the 76ers year after year disappoint with Joel Embiid. We have seen the Boston Celtics disappoint and we know how good of teams these like they are, but they disappoint and they aren't like these all, you know, all time great teams, you know, like Jordan's Bulls, the the Warriors with Steph, like they they have flaws. And I think this Cavs team, you know, can jump into this, you know, juggernaut mix with them. I think they totally have the talent to do so. I think if Darius Garland continues to develop his game with Evan Mobley, I mean, that could be one of the best pick and roll duels duos in the entire NBA. Yeah, no, they definitely have, you know, they have the pieces in place. It's just a matter of, you know, putting that magical playoff run together, which I think they would need if they wanted to actually make a finals or possibly even win it. Yeah. I mean, keep in mind though, this team is also super, super young. Evan Mobley heading into his third year, Darius Garland, I believe heading into his fourth year, Jared Allen, you know, similar situation, fourth, fifth year guy. So, you know, they're, they're only true, true vet with legitimate playoff experience is Donovan Mitchell. And yeah, he disappointed last year when they needed him to come up big, but I, I don't think, you know, you know, history says Donovan Mitchell will do otherwise and he'll step up for his team when they need him. I think this Cavs team next year, I think we, it wouldn't be crazy to see a, you know, a legit jump from them for them to maybe become a top two, top three seed in the East, make it to the conference finals even. Yeah, I can agree with that. Um, we'll be right back after our quick ad break, rounding out the rest of the central division. Welcome back to the Bucks and Six podcast. My name is Stephen Dorf. That's Hershey Winkleman. We're covering our Eastern or our Central, sorry, our Central Division uh, predictions for the NBA for the 23-24 season. Uh, we just covered our Milwaukee Bucks and the Cleveland Cavaliers. We're going to move on to the Chicago Bulls, uh, a team that went 40 and 42 last year. They've kind of been in this NBA purgatory for some time now. Um, this year, they lost in a play-in game to the Miami Heat, the team that ultimately beat us in the playoffs. They re-signed veteran uh, center Nikola Vucevic, you know, who's been a really, really reliable, good, good center in the NBA. We've like never top tier, but top 10, always, you know, in that uh, mix of guys. They re-signed Ayo Desunmu, uh, you know, young guard, who went to Illinois, exciting hometown hero, you could say. Hasn't really lived up to it in the NBA. Granted, I think it's a lot of... It's a lot more of an opportunity thing with him. The Bulls just have a lot of rostered guards. Uh, with that being said, they bring they re-sign you know, another guard, Kobe White from UNC, also a previous lottery pick. So we're gonna have to see what what they continue to do with this, you know, logjam of guards, you might say, that they have, because they just signed Javon Carter from us, another guard. So it's just uh it's a lot for the Bulls. They they drafted Julian Phillips in the second round. He's a six eight small forward. Um, I don't know too much about this guy, but basically what the scouting reports say on him is that he's a good athlete and he's got a you know pretty big wingspan. So that's always good stuff for the NBA and for an NBA team. You can always make use out of that. Um, 
you know, and then obviously we saw the Bulls got the, you know, what 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 was the thing they got for Lonzo Hirsch? If you just want to give the proper term for it. Yeah, I think they got like a disabled player exception. And I think they got around a little over 10 million back. I think Lonzo was making around 23, 24 million a year. So he's still making about 15 or he's still going to make his money, but the Bulls get some of it back from the league. Basically. Yeah, because I mean, Lonzo Ball hasn't taken the court in like a year and a half, and then you know the the news came out this year that Lonzo Ball isn't expected to play at all this year, so that would be you know a full two and a half years without this guy, uh, a guy they're paying like you said twenty three, twenty four million, and when they had him, they were the number one seed in the Eastern Conference for a little bit, and then you know he goes down, and you know they just they aren't the same without him. I mean, Lonzo Ball. A true, true like point guard. He's a true facilitator, a guy who can really run an offense. Um, I just think, yeah, the questions with this Bulls are what what do they do? I mean, I know you said you told me before we recorded this podcast that you didn't like the Nikola Vucevic re-signing. You want to, you know, maybe explain to everyone why that is, explain to me why that is. Yeah, you know, I think I think and you know, I think a lot of Bulls fans would agree with this, but I think it's time for the Bulls to pivot. Um I don't really think the core of Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and Nikola Vucevic is really going to take them anywhere. I think after that first season, after Lonzo went down and, you know, they went from the first seed all the way to the eighth seed and we beat them in the first round that, you know, they, they really weren't, they really weren't the the same team. And it, it is sad to see what happened with Lonzo. You know, he's still not really able to, you know, move the way he did. Uh, previously, you know, if he ever does come back and really plays NBA ball, you know, who's to say he's the same player as he, you know, was before. This is a pretty serious thing. I mean, he hasn't played in over two years. Um, and like you mentioned, not expected to play at all this year. It would be pretty miraculous if he did though. Um, but yeah, I just think it's time. It, it, it was time. And this would have been a great off season for the bulls to, you know, pivot, especially with, you know, a lot of stars on the market, like James Harden, Damian Lillard, you know, other guys getting traded. Um, I think, you know, Zach Levine could have possibly been on the move. I think, you know, the Mavericks could have possibly, you know, made a move for DeMar DeRozan and that would have made sense. You know, there, I think there's a lot of moves that could have been made for the Bulls, you know, just tear it down, get some good draft picks, get some capital, get some potential and, you know, just rebuild it. I like re-signing Io DeSumnu and Kobe White. I think, you know, they had good potential. I think, you know, they, they're good guards. Javon Carter going home to Chicago, you know, it's a good story. I, I loved having him on the box. He was one of my favorite players on the team. Um, so, you know, I'm happy to see him going home. Uh, he was born in Chicago. He's from Illinois. So, and then, yeah, you know, we'll see what, what this second round pick is all about. But I, I really do, my prediction for the Bulls next year is I, I think, they might honestly be even worse than 40 and 42. I think they'll be around a play in, but nowhere close to the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, again, I, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, there's just no direction for this team. I think it is, you know, easier said than done to kind of just move off of guys like Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic, DeMar DeRozan, because, you know, what are these teams really paying in return? Does, you know, the GM, the front office wants to keep their job. They got to be competitive when they can be. So, and they, they had something going. They had something really working at one point. And, you know, losing Lonzo Ball was just detrimental to that. But, yeah, 40 and 42, I, I don't really see them improving on that. I don't – I mean, I don't see them being horrible. I just – yeah, maybe some slight regression just because, you know, their guys are getting older. It just might get kind of stale. I just don't see any – I don't think they're real, like, playoff competitors. Like, 
maybe a 10 seed again, nine seed playoff or a play in type of team. But yeah, I wouldn't expect too much for the uh, Chicago Bulls going into the upcoming season. Another uh, purgatory-like year for them. Let's move on to the Indiana Pacers. Uh, you could say a more exciting team with a better situation for sure around them. Uh, they just re-signed their star young player, Tyrese Halliburton, um, to a massive max contract. Uh, they signed, they brought in a guy like Bruce Brown, just won the cha- who just won a championship with the Denver Nuggets on a two-year deal for $45 million. Uh, they had the eighth pick in the draft this year, and they drafted Jairus Walker, Jairus Walker, Jairus Walker, out of Houston. He's a big man, power forward. Uh, you know, another exciting guy, athlete, could fit in really well with what they're trying to build around Tyrese Halliburton. Traded for Obi Toppin from the New York Knicks, a guy who struggled to find a role on that team. Uh, a lottery pick, crazy, crazy athlete with a ridiculous bounce. So maybe he can find a new role, something to build on with uh, this Pacers team. Again, like a pick and roll type of uh, offense with Obi Toppin and Tyrese Halliburton could be something really exciting for the Pacers. Uh, And then, yeah, they also just got a bunch of young guys, a plethora of young uh, guys in the second round and just undrafted guys. Isaiah Wong from Miami, Ben Shepard, Oscar Chibwe, uh, a guy who has been dominant in college basketball for years now. Um. Hirsch, I mean, I guess the question with this Pacers team is we we know it's exciting. They have a lot of cool young talent. Benedict Mather and a guy who was really exciting last year in the rookie of the year arguments with Paulo Bancaro. But is Tyrese Halliburton a guy that you see being like a championship level first option? Yeah, I mean, I think that that really truly is the question. I think that I think the Pacers, you know, like you mentioned earlier with signing him to that massive contract, have really put their eggs all in the Tyrese Halliburton basket which is an interesting basket to put in simply because, you know, he, he got hurt last year and when he was there, they were, you know, a very exciting team to watch, but he did have an injury, a pretty serious one in his second year, third year in the league. So, you know, that's definitely something to look out for. Um, He did play, you know, FIBA basketball this summer with, you know, a lot of the other NBA player, NBA stars, Um, unfortunately they did just lose in the semifinals, I believe to Germany. Uh, which isn't great uh, for that team. But yeah, you know, I think he's Tyrese Halliburton's a very, very interesting player simply because, you know, he's not necessarily that, you know, number one go-to scorer that, you know, most teams would have as, you know, their number one guy, but he, he is just such a good facilitator and passer mover of the ball, such high IQ. He, he just knows how to make all of the right plays can hit shots from, you know, three from the mid range. He can go to the rim, he, he really is that kind of player. It's just a matter of, you know, can the front office really build around him? And I think they're, they're you know, laying the groundwork with getting guys like Jerace Walker and LB Toppin. Yeah. And, you know, I want you, you mentioned that Tyrese Halliburton, you know, dealt with an injury last year. And I just want to say the Pacers before Tyrese Halliburton was hurt, they were, I think they were around like the sixth seed, you know, with, with you know, they were a competitive basketball team, uh, you know, a team making some real noise out there in the Eastern conference uh, with Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, I mean, they like you said, he's not going to be, you know, a top tier score. He's not going to give you 30 a game, but they have a guy like Benedict Mather and, you know, someone they're going to try and develop and, you know, grow off of his rookie year where he was giving you 16 points a game. Started off the year really, really like electric. He's calling out LeBron James. I mean, the guy was he's got confidence and that's something you want in a in a score. I like that backcourt with Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Mather for the future. And I'm exciting to see the fit with Jarese Walker and 
Uh, Miles Turner. I mean, Miles Turner is a guy who's been in the, you know, the trade rumor mill or whatever for years now. Seems like they're pretty content on keeping him, you know, a guy who can give you three blocks a night can also hit the three similar to like what kind of a Brooke Lopez offers the bucks. He may not give you the same type of low post offensive presence that Brooke we know can give you, but miles Turner is just a really, really great two way defensive big man pair that up with Jarris Walker. And then you got an exciting young backcourt with Halliburton and Matherin. And then you, you know, pair him up with the veteran championship pedigree, Bruce Brown. I mean, it's an exciting core. I think this team, I mean, this team could make a real argument for a top four seed in the East. If all goes well, if everything, you know, if they're, if Tyrese Halliburton makes a jump, if Benedict Matherin continues, if Jarius Walker is the rookie, they expect him to be, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like this team a lot. I like the core that they've built around Halliburton. And I think that, yeah, the true question with them is can is, you know, is Tyree is Tyrese Halliburton a guy who can develop into that number one level option on a championship team? Yeah, and you gotta remember that too, they still have Buddy Healed who can, you know, swap out for that Bruce Brown in in a in a certain lineup if they need a, you know, extra scoring or shooting. You know, he, he's a guy who can put up, you know, 17 points a game for a season. You know, he's had he's had years where he's put up 19 a game for a season. He He's a bona fide scorer and shooter. He's that's what he's there to do. That's what that's what he's always been there to do is just to, to shoot, get open, come around screens and just and just rip threes. And that's what he's he's able to do that. So I think I think, yeah, like you mentioned, you know, that they have they definitely are building building pieces you know and if it doesn't work out with bruce brown i believe his second year is non-guaranteed so they can always just get rid of that as well so it's it's you know when that when that deal came out two years 45 million for you know a six man type player it it, it was you know it made a lot of noise but when the news came out you know a couple days later that that second year was non-guaranteed you know i think a lot of people kind of calmed down and were like okay it's going to be kind of like a a tested out year for bruce brown to see if he's really worth that money and yeah, well, like you mentioned, I think it's really just about Tyrese. The whole team is built around Tyrese. Hey, yeah, I mean, hey, you said noise. Speaking of noise, man, just guys, don't be shocked if the uh, Indiana Pacers are like good this year, like a legit Eastern Conference like contender this year. Uh, let's move on to the Detroit Pistons, the worst team in this division, but again, a team with an exciting young core. Uh, they went 17 and 65 last year. They were in the Wemby sweepstakes, ultimately did not get it. You can't have Caden Wemby Pistons fans. I'm sorry. It doesn't work like that. But you do get Ostar Thompson and James Naji. You get Marcus Sasser signed to a, a rookie contract. You know, also a guy from Houston, a really good basketball team in this past college season. Uh, you trade for Joe Harris and Monty Morris, two guys who have been, you know, really good role players throughout their entire careers. Consistent Monty Morris has like one of the best like assist to turnover ratios like in the entire NBA for a point guard. So, you know, that's always a great thing to have with a backup point guard. And then Joe Harris, you know, as Bucks fans, we've seen what he can do as a shooter. One of the best in the league at it. Uh, and then, you know, they also re-signed uh, Isaiah Stewart, Beef Stew, as, you know, Pistons fans like to call him. Uh, a really, really, you know, cool energy type of guy. Uh, gets rebounds and another young guy, to, you know, for this uh, Pistons core to keep building off of. Uh, questions for this Pistons team, or for this Pistons team, Hirsch. James Wiseman and Jalen Duran or Jalen Duran. Is this a front court that you think can work? I mean, James Wiseman getting a fresh start in... Uh, in Detroit, is this something you're excited about, Hirsch, as a basketball fan? If Pistons fans, is this something they should be excited about or something they should kind of just throw under the rug? 
Yeah, you know, I think they got a lot of talent there with those two guys, you know, Wiseman being, I think he was the first or second pick in the draft. And then, you know, Duran being a top 10 pick. Uh, I think he was either 10 or 11. Uh, yeah, you know, I think it's it's going to be tough with spacing again. It's going to be probably worse than Mobley and Allen when it comes to, you know, like a Twin Towers look. But Wiseman's really going to have to, you know, develop that perimeter game. I know on the Warriors, he was getting upset because, you know, he wasn't getting a lot of, you know, touches, like ISO touches. That's kind of the player he was. I don't really think he's going to be in a position where he's getting a lot of those here either. So, you know, we could maybe see a Wiseman, you know, getting disgruntled again, which wouldn't be great for him and his career considering he hasn't really shown or proven anything to any team so far. Um, And not to mention too, I I believe they still have Marvin Bagley. Like you mentioned, Beef Stew. They've got a lot of, they got a lot of bigs there that they can, you know, rotate around. You know, I, I think it'll be interesting to see if, you know, when and if they're on the court together, does it work out? Because I think it definitely I think it has potential to work out and I think it could be very exciting for Pistons fans going forward. If, you know, if they're able to make that work, especially with a guy like Monty Williams, who's now the highest paid head coach in NBA history. Yeah. I mean, again, I think time will tell with Wiseman. Can he develop? Can Duran, you know, can one of these guys develop an outside shot? Can they really refine their game and, you know, stand out? Uh, Or is it going to be like a, you know, uh, Philadelphia 2013, 2014, 2015 situation where you got Nerlens Noel, Joel Embiid, Julio Okafor, and you just don't know which one you want. So I think that's something that the Pistons are going to have to figure out with their big man situation, as well as honestly their guard rotation now. I mean, we, they have Jaden Ivey, they have Cade Cunningham, and now they just got Osar Thompson, a guy who can play wing, can play guard. You know, he's uh, played with his brother, Amen Thompson, also a top five pick. So, uh, do the Pistons have one of the best young cores in the league, Hirsch? I mean, that's just a, I mean, just with all these names out here, I mean, on paper, is it, or is is there something that kind of worries you about what the Pistons have built right now? Yeah. I mean, we'll definitely have to see, you know, it, like you mentioned, time really will tell with this team and, you know, Cade being hurt for kind of like Halliburton, like the majority of last year, not to mention, Kate also missed a significant time in his rookie year. So that's two years in a row now where he's kind of dealt with some pretty big injuries. Yeah, definitely. It's It's been a problem for Cade. He's definitely going to have to put it together and, you know, stay healthy for, you know, the next upcoming few years if he really wants to, you know, get paid and be that number one guy on the, on the Pistons. Because, you know, they do have, you know, Ivy's considered like a scorer. He's like a, he's like a guy who's going to like slash and get to the basket. Asar Thompson's a score. Like they got a lot of guys who, you know, can put up buckets. Like you mentioned, Joe Harris, Monty Morris, you know, that those, those guys are probably going to come off the bench and, you know, be good bench pieces for them. Um, And, you know, like, like, like we were just talking about, you know, we, they have so many big men when it comes to like, like Marvin Bagley can score. James Wiseman can score. Duran can score. They've just have, they have a lot of mouths to feed. So it's going to be up to Cade Cunningham to really be that playmaker and really spread the ball around and get all these guys, their touches. Do you see the Pistons trying to be competitive, competitive this year? Or do you think that maybe they again, try and get one of the top picks in the lottery with the, you know, maybe get a Ron Holland or Matas Buzelis, you know, both of those guys are high, high level prospects in this upcoming draft or yeah. I mean, what, what do you see the Pistons trying to do this year? Is this the year that they make the jump from, lottery team every year bottom of the league to legit like competitive young scary playoff team kind of like what um 
the Thunder are now in a sense, right? Where they're a lot more competitive than they have been in previous years. Not a playoff team, but they're not a just team that you chalk up a W on the schedule to. Yeah, you know, I I think, you know, again, it all rides on if Cade's going to be healthy or not. If Cade's healthy all year long, and yeah, I think they I think they definitely can be that kind of, you know, Thunder, maybe two years ago, Grizzlies type of team where, you know, they make a huge jump from outside the playoffs to, you know, in the playoff. I mean, a lot of people are predicting the Thunder to make the playoffs this year. Um, you know, a lot of like NBA, like a lot of guys who cover the NBA on TV are predicting that. So you know, could the Pistons possibly make a huge jump? It's going to be tough. They did. I mean, like I just mentioned, get Monty Williams this summer, gave him, you know, the largest contract of all time for a head coach to come and coach all these young guys. They don't really have necessarily like a veteran presence other than the two guys they just traded for. Um, so, you know, I think it definitely will be interesting to have all these young guys on the same team. Uh, and they really are going to have to, you know, kind of have, put it all together at once on the fly. If they want this to, you know, really make it work in the first season. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I think, you know, I see them maybe winning 25 to 30 games this year, slight improvement. You know, they won 17 last year, obviously 25 is going to be better than that. But again, it's nothing to be like, all right, these guys are there, but I think this year could be the year of, you know, where it shows where they kind of put the writing on the wall. It's like, all right, Cade Cunningham is that guy. Jaden Ivey is the perfect running mate for him. You know, uh, James Wiseman is, you know, the center that everybody thought that he could be. So this year is definitely going to be a telling year for the Pistons. And if they aren't good this year, maybe they do need to look to move on from guys like Cade Cunningham and just look to get the the new the the newest guy in the draft, right? Trade him, get more picks and build, you know, stack your future up. But this year is definitely going to be pretty telling for the Pistons. Yeah, I think this is, you know, one of the biggest years in Pistons, you know, in, in their most recent, in the recent Pistons history. I mean, this is like, this is like their, like they have to, you know, kind of make a big jump here. If you're there, you know, around 20 wins, I think that's a really, really poor, you know, showing for them. But, you know, luckily Pistons fan or Detroit fans can at least, you know, celebrate that Lions win that they had last night against, you mm-hmm. know, defending champion Kansas City Chiefs with the uh, the NFL season underway. So, you know, that's at least exciting for, you know, Michiganders and, you know, people that live in and around Detroit. Hey, I've always said that the Detroit Lions will sacrifice their success so that the Detroit Pistons can go on these little spurts of being great. But maybe the the tide has turned and it's going to be the other way around now. Maybe the Pistons are sacrificing their greatness and now it's the Lions turn to go on a little spurt. So we'll see. Yeah, it definitely was a very, very entertaining and fun game to, you know, watch last night. Uh, You know, definitely going to be a fun NFL season, but that's going to be it for today's episode of the Bucks and Six podcast. Uh, Make sure to leave a like, download, subscribe, and follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at Bucks and Six FFSN. Uh, As always, I'm Hershey Winkleman. He's Steven Dorff, and let's go Bucks.